Seven past one, 11, 16, SEN, Melbourne's home sport. Tony Shebeki filling in for Daniel Harford today and tomorrow. Here on Half Time, he'll be on the run home after four o'clock with Cameron Mooney. And then coming back next Monday, Ox and Marco, who I'm sure will have plenty of stories to tell you about their time over in the US at Augusta. 9429-1116, that's the number you want to remember if you want to give us a call about anything in the world of soccer, because now is the time to do so, because we're going to catch up with this man and have a chat about it. On Halftime, the world game with Carlos Alberto Diego from Fordiegos.com. For auction your car, car auction this Saturday. And you can catch the Fordiegos every Wednesday night between 11 and 12. But we get a little bit of a sneak preview, I suppose, with the, uh, well, the head brother of the Diegos, <laughs> I like to call him. Don't let's say that. You, you're, the, you're, the, you're the father figure don't, of the don't, brothers, don't aren't you? Don't say that. The boys are going to go me tonight. It's all, uh, it's very equal pay. Equal no, pay. no, I understand that. But equal pay, equal egos, but no you're egos. The, you're the you're the patriarch, aren't you? No, no, not at all. No, no, no. The boys have claimed that I'm uh, just one of the one of the guys who just happens to run around and have the joy of talking world football with other very very like minded people. Their tone. Wow. That's By the, the way, tonight I got. tonight uh, it will probably be a form of the final whistle for us too. Because Ooh, what? Of course, final whistle. I'm not saying we're, we're it's oh, over. It's not over. It's, no, it's a, again. No, on Friday nights, generally when uh, there's a league games, we usually follow the boys who are calling the game here at SEN. Yes. There's a the, you know, our version of Finey's final yeah, stories, yeah, yeah. final whistle. And because of the Melbourne Victory Brisbane Raw game tonight, it will probably be oh. a form of the final whistle tonight. So get on the phone if you're going to be happy or sad, and uh, make sure you. Yeah, have a chat to us about the, the game tonight because it's a really important one for Melbourne Victory, especially after certainly the loss is. on the weekend. Yeah, it certainly is. A win here gives them that little bit of a break up the top and probably nearly seals the minor premiership, nearly. Oh, you just can't tell at the moment, Tone, because uh, they shouldn't have lost that game on the weekend. And if you listen to Kevin Musket, uh, I do actually love listening to his press conferences after the game. And, uh, you know, people were, journos were throwing questions at him. Was it the slippery ground? Did they water the pitch too much? Did they, did, you know, the, were the boys off tonight? Or, yeah. And he just had no answer for the one-off because the last couple of weeks have been pretty good. Out of all the teams, I think that they're the ones who have got the form generally to, to probably go on and win, win the, the whole thing. And uh, but then they inexplicably lose that game on the weekend against the Newcastle Jets, who were pretty plucky on the night and not, not playing for anything in particular. Yep. And uh, and so it, sometimes you just got to put that one behind you. And I just got a sense that as much as it hurt and as much as they it was an opportunity lost, it, it's something they've put behind them and now they're concentrating on the game tonight. And you know what? If you're going to have a bad game, you're better off having it a couple of weeks before the finals than actually in the finals. Well, it's funny because uh, Junos were saying, "Is it the loss you had to have and stuff?" <laughs> when, when there's nothing, say. when there's nothing between the top five no. teams, it's not a loss no. you had to have. No, say. You're right; it's not the loss they had to have, but it's better if you're going to have one to have it now than have it later. Oh well, I mean, if it's well, not gonna, but, uh, but now you can focus on it. You can put it aside. Yeah. So right, we've learned from that. Let's move on now. Yeah. We know what we did wrong. On we go. I'm not quite sure, and this is a point that Kevin Musket was talking about. I'm not quite sure what they would have learned other than the fact they've got to finish 
any chances that they they create. Mm. They were the better side on the night. Archie had the best chance. Yeah, they, you know, but you know that was just a bit unlucky going wide. Um, you know, and they had some pretty guilted chances at different times, and they had all the ball. They just probably lacked like that little bit of spark that they have had in the last couple of weeks, and these things happen. Uh, but uh, it doesn't mean they're not going to win the Premier's Plate or even go on and win the Grand Final. I think it's just one of those things. If it happens again tonight, it's a problem. But uh, I think sometimes you've got to forget about some games, and that's one game you've got to forget about. And uh, just Melbourne City have gone a long time without a loss. Yeah, again, another uh, pretty good performance against uh, Wellington. There were times in that first half against Wellington where I thought the, the gaps were opening up and Wellington had a few chances. But Melbourne City in the second half came back. There's a lot more spine about this team now, Tone. And I think uh, John Van Skip and his coaching staff needed, need to be congratulated on that. Uh, it has been almost the, the cancer in that team uh, for many years now. The, the, the question marks over the resilience of that team when, when they hit a few problems, mm. uh, how they're going to fight back. But really, the last six games or so... They've really shown that uh, they've got a bit of background, backbone and they don't have to worry about playing champagne football. Just pick up those points, keep turning over, you know, the three points now and again and the one point now and again. Just don't lose, don't concede. Mm. And they're going into the finals as a team that actually might win a game in the finals because they're playing that sort of dour, uh, let's duke it out type football. Uh, nothing flash mm. and sometimes in a sudden death game, that's enough to get you over the line. It certainly is. Uh, Perth Glory, are they getting it over the line? What's the story? <laughs> uh, just recap for us yeah. where, what's happened, where we're at, and moving forward. Yeah, but obviously it was a couple of weeks. It's been touted for a long time. Uh, Rumours about uh, Perth Glory breaching the salary cap. Yep. This has been going on for months and months. But uh, uh, last Friday, before the game, incredibly, uh, FFA came out and basically announced the, that they'd breached the salary cap and they were going to be fined. Uh, you know, $279,000 yeah, or something like that. Uh, and they're going to be kicked out of the finals. And that was all announced prior to the Perth Glory Sydney FC game on Friday night, which is incredible because mm. it really did affect that game. I mean, how, as a player, do you go into the field knowing that that's hanging over your head? Well, yeah. since then, Perth have uh, basically uh, talked about legal action. Uh, they The first... Uh, the first dose of legal action they've walked away from uh, as far as fighting the actual penalty. Now they're actually uh, looking at uh, fighting that uh, as part of the FFA independent disciplinary type committee. So they're going to probably go down that track. But they're still pursuing, as I hear, uh, FFA in the courts about the um, the jurisdiction the board has to make that decision about kicking a team out of the finals. Now, I don't know if that's... I'm not a lawyer. I've got no idea mm. whether they've got a case where they're just delaying because the longer you delay it, the more chance you've got to play finals and deal with it after finals. So, Which is what I think they're trying to get an injunction, aren't they? Oh, well, that that was part of the original thing. Okay, so and, that's gone? Uh, well, they've pulled away from that and okay. they said in, for the spirit of the game we'll go through the FFA independent process uh, and... Uh, so they're, they're fighting the, the breach or the penalty through that. Uh, they're fighting through the courts, the other aspect of do the FFA board have jurisdiction to make that decision? And, and of course, <laughs> look, again, I'm not a lawyer, but why would you, who else has got the yeah, jurisdiction? True. So for me, it just seems like it's a bit of a delaying tactic. Uh, hopefully get to the finals, uh, delay, 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 play your finals, maybe win something and then worry about the consequences later on. But uh, I think there's a lot of unhappy players there right now. Um, and, um, you know, and there's some real stories about blatant uh, breaches, uh, you know, payments to family, uh, payments to, unauth you know, to third parties. Well, all then how can the players be unhappy? Because obviously those payments are being made to players, so players knew about what was going on. Uh, look, I don't think the... I think I'll most, say the whole lot. Yeah, I think but... most players are unhappy about the fact that 
they're there to play football, they're professional footballers. Yes, they get remunerated well. Uh, and in Australia, you get paid every week, which is fantastic most of the time. And, well, I suppose some players at Jets might argue that sometimes, but generally you get paid uh, quite regularly. And uh, and the question mark for them would be, you know, we want to play finals. That's what we're here to do. And, uh, they've, and Perth's had a terrific season. Well, then don't cheat. Well, I mean, the players are saying they're not the ones who do the accounting. They're not the ones who deal with... They're the with... ones that have accepted the extra payments. Yeah, but they? Don't know, the, the question that... Uh, if there was payments made to family and friends and the like, then obviously the players knew about that. Well, it depends on who. I mean, this is the thing. It might have been one or two players. I mean, there were 400,000 over the over the mm. cap. It, it's been reputed. A lot of that uh, being reported in the media today has been around the Andy Keogh contract uh, and his wife being involved in some way and an uncle who owns a company yeah. and so forth. I mean, this is all alleged. Uh, but uh, but they're the sort of question marks. Now, I'm not sure whether that's happened with a lot of other players. If it's only 400000 and we're talking about somewhere in the vicinity of 200000 for Andy Keogh, well, there might be bits and pieces elsewhere. So uh, ultimately, uh, the, the club has got to take responsibility for that. I mean, mm. not every player will know... Um, you know, uh, what other people are getting and how Correct. they're getting it. And also some players, you know, uh, in the lower leagues will tell you that, uh, yeah, we'll pay you this much wage, but then we'll give you other benefits by way of a car or something like that. Yeah. So that's a deal that players accept. Uh, they're not privy to uh, what the level of the salary cap and where they're at with all that. Now, some may have an inkling that that might happen, but it's not their job. The player's no. job is to get paid, to play football. They're not worried about, they're not, too interested in on you know who's cheating who's not they're assuming the club is doing everything above board and they're playing final so i think they're not happy about the fact that they've been tainted themselves as players mm. and also the fact that they're most likely going to miss out on finals what it has done though is it's brought out a fair bit of discussion hasn't it from oh. a lot of areas uh, of people <laughs> talking about what should be the next step in regards to the salary cap for the a-league i i, I love I, I look at this as a, as part of the evolution of Australian football. A cleansing process. Well, it, you know, I mean, we're still a very young country mm. by way of uh, international football and also professional domestic football. I mean, we talk about, you know, we want to be this, we want to win the World Cup, we want to win the Asian Cup, and all, but very, we're a very young country when it comes to this stuff, and this is all part of it. The question's now being asked about the salary cap because of all this Perth glory stuff is uh, should we even have a salary cap? Should we exempt foreigners from the salary cap? So I think they have five or six foreigners. Should we exempt them completely from the salary cap? Should we uh, publish uh, publicly the the wages of players? I mean, that's a, that's an argument that uh, Brendan Schwab, uh, the former head of the PFA, yeah. has come out. Interestingly, because I would have thought that players wouldn't want their wages published, but uh, you know, the former head of the PFA has said, well, perhaps that might be a way of indicating to us all how much money clubs are spending. If everyone's wage is being published publicly, we'll know, we'll get a, a ballpark about what clubs are yeah. paying. It is uh, in Europe, isn't it? Or are they just guess well, I think, I think that's see. more America. I think, I uh, should have asked Ed uh, while he was here. But, uh, but when we see that someone's gone to a club for an $8 million transfer fee or stuff... That... Yeah, but that doesn't mean you get to know what the wage is. I oh, mean, okay, people are guessing about the, the wage. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. We, we know publicly generally, and sometimes not, uh, what the transfer fee is, but, also, but the actual payment they get every yeah, yeah, week yeah. is something yeah. that's pretty, kept pretty quiet. I think in American sport, they're a little bit more liberal with divulging that information so uh, and the other quick you know once Brendan 
you know, threw that one out. The the I didn't realise that there was a player agents association in oh, Australia. Of course there is. And they came out and saying that's ridiculous. Uh, you know, players should have their their wages, uh, you know, kept private because uh, suddenly you'll have a, prob- a lot of problems within clubs in the change room when players are aware of what other people are getting all this mm. sort of stuff. Uh, so I would love to throw it out there. If anyone's interested at all about what should we do with this salary cap, is it a time for the A League? to get rid of the salary cap, or should... Or by the way, question marks also. Eddie Merrick on the weekend raised a question marks about how are we policing salary cap? I mean, are we just by accident... Because the Perth Glory story came out because a journalist mm. had discovered something and told the FFA. So there was some whistleblower involved. So the FFA didn't pick that up through their own processes. <laughs> so the question mark is, are we policing it properly? And if Perth are being picked up, what are we doing about the other clubs who might be on the verge? I mean, we've only picked up one club in 2005 with Sydney. Box. Well, Sydney uh, was the only other club in the history of the A-League who's been picked up for salary cap breaches. So who's to say that other clubs aren't doing it either voluntarily or involuntarily, uh, breaching salary cap. So is it time to get rid of this thing or do we just throw more resources into it to get it right? Patrick Isnorbo on Finney's show last night said without a salary cap, a lot of clubs would just fold. Well, I mean, that's a player's point of view. I mean, a player doesn't run the club. With all due respect to Paddy Kisnorbo, I love him as a player. He's done a lot in the game. He's but wouldn't it be in, in his advantage not to have a salary cap? Of course. Of course, you've got a good agent. You get yourself, a, you get yourself a, uh, some more money. But the thing is, you know, ultimately, I'm not saying that we should get rid of the salary cap. I get worried about the game because I lived through the old NSL yeah, yeah, where yeah. clubs will go and broke left, you. right and centre. Uh, but if there is... Um, a way of uh, allowing clubs that can afford it to uh, be a bit more, I don't know, uh, aspirational with the, what their marquee players are. I mean, we saw with Ben Calflower mm. right now, Melbourne Victory want to keep him. He wants to stay, but his value's gone through the roof. Victory cannot pay him what he is worth or what he wants. So they have to rely on other things to keep him. So should there'd be some support for Melbourne Victory who bought him here, took the risk in the first place to be able to keep this guy for more than one year. I believe there should be some flexibility with the marquee, uh, at, at very least. Um, and, and clubs that can afford it, go ahead and do it. But perhaps not the time right now to get rid of the salary cap, but I'd love other people's yeah. um, opinions. Let's get it. 9429-1116. Give us a call, 0433-98-1116 on the SMS. But we'd love to have a chat to you, and we will do after this. It's past one here on 1116 SEN, Melbourne's home of sport. Uh, we're talking about the A-League salary cap. You're getting your thoughts on it, 9429 Some good ones coming through on the SMS, Carlos. Uh, a basketball fan, obviously, Dalton in Frankston, says, how about a luxury tax like in the NBA so you can pay above the salary cap, but it costs you financially as a club? Yeah, well, look, I you know I don't know the what the uh, processes there are in the NBA, but... Uh, if it's already out there and working and people have watched it. and I mean, we don't want to take on something that's problematic yeah. in other sports. But if if it's something that uh, is working, well, we should look at it. Get rid of the salary cap, says Chris in Bateman's Bay, and we'll have another EPL with the top four clubs finishing first to fourth every year. Can't see that being any good for our league. It's actually interesting. A lot of the stuff coming through on the SMS is more about not the financial viability of clubs that will go out the window if you, if you get rid of the salary cap, but it's more about the equity uh, of all teams. And I suppose we saw on the weekend Newcastle could beat Melbourne Victory. Uh, I mean, it won't happen a lot over a whole season, mm. but it all goes in cycles. And uh, and I think one thing that we can say is that no team, except for Brisbane Roar a few years ago, no team's really uh, dominating the A-League in the first 10 no. years. So I think that's been a real positive about the equity and everyone having a chance. And making it interesting, I think that's important to keep. 
Let's go to Trav out at Langwarren. His thoughts. Good day, Trav. Good day, guys. How you going? Good, Good mate. Uh, I think yeah, I, I agree with that. But. Um We've got to have the salary cap to keep the league competitive, but it's got to be flexible. You know, you still want to get the best players available. So we need you need a bit of flexibility for marquee players and that kind of thing. So you can bring the best in. But I think removing the salary cap altogether already is, uh, as the text has said, it's going to create a league that's uh, not competitive at all. And that's, I think that's the issue for me is having an uncompetitive league, having the top two teams, the rich teams, basically winning it, wreck the league. But every chance has an opportunity to become a rich team, don't they? I yep. mean, now that we're in a national competition, the majority of sponsors that we see on jumpers, even for Newcastle, are national sponsors. They're not necessarily the local yep. time art or something, you know? Yeah. Oh, look, I, I personally think, and I agree with Trav, uh, but we need to be, you know, if we, if we got rid of the salary cap, and and uh, unlimited marquees or whatever. Teams like Sydney would be happy, like Real Madrid. Real Madrid's in huge debt. Mm. I mean, they're the biggest club in the world, and their turnover's amazing. But they've been operating on huge debt and uh, and relying on Madrid banks, you know, not calling in the debt for decades. Yeah. Because no one ever shut down Real Madrid. And I can imagine with some egomaniac owners at, at different times, if, you know, if someone took over Sydney... Um, and just said, well, we're just, we're just going to spend and bring Del Piero, we're going to bring Wayne Rooney over, we're going to bring three or four of them over, just spend anything. I mean, that could backfire also, but... You're still going to have the money, though. You're yeah, still gonna... but you'll never, you'll never have Central Coast doing that, and you'll never have probably Newcastle Jets doing that. But so they could. They could if they wanted to, but ultimately, really wealthy businessmen don't like to lose money. Mm. They would do it to eventually, they might have a loss leader in the first few years, but they eventually want to make some money. So um, this is the thing. Uh, I think you'd get the egos coming into it, as you do in sport. Um, it's not only competitive on the field, it's competitive off the field, and you'll get a lot of the owners who will come in and just say, well, we're just going to bring, with my links over in Spain, I'm going to bring David Villa yeah. over, I'm going to bring Del Piero from Italy, I'm going to, and just have this league that's full of stars, but not necessarily financially viable after three or four years. Let's head out to Heidelberg West. Good day, Ross. How you doing, fellas? Good, Good mate. Um, I'm just going to use Guy Finker Fink as an example. Um, let's say a player comes over, um, he's quality, quality, quality. He hasn't re- represented his country, so he can, for example, play for Australia. After that process of him playing, say, three or four years in Australia, and then he's committed, and then he becomes an Australian citizen, I think then, because he's committed himself to Australia and playing in this league and, and loves playing in this country, then you can use it maybe put him as an extra marquee player. So then obviously being the Socceroo, if Guy Finkler, let's say, gets picked for the Socceroos, which he could easily very well be picked and play for the Socceroos, then his value will go up. So then Milton Victory can put him as an additional marquee player. This way, there'll be players, clubs will be looking for players who are younger, haven't represented their country, and it'll be an incentive for them to come to Australia, play for a club, knowing that maybe one day down the track they can get paid extra money as well as represent Australia at a World Cup. I think Traore was in that situation, wasn't he? I think he, you know, he's a player that'd been here for a few years, played for Gold Coast, played for Melbourne Victory, and I tell you what, he would have definitely played for Australia in the last World Cup if he hadn't played those couple of games for his uh, for the country of his birth. So, um, yeah, I, look, I agree. I think there's got to be something down the track, but that's sort of a more of a long term investment there, Ross. And I and I think that we just need something for now. After what's happened, and there's been so much talk about now looking at the salary cap, so the focus is off. The, the, the cheaters, if you like, in, in Perth, and more now on what are we going to do with this thing? Are we policing it properly? Are clubs given enough flexibility? Are clubs who don't want to pay 
top dollar and be, you know spend break the bank for a marquee? Are they being looked after? A lot of work's going to be done into right. this because I know that we've had issues in the AFL and also in rugby in this in this same All right. area. What about this? Uh, local footy leagues, as of next year, I think you're bringing in what they call a point system. Yep. So they can't, they know they can't police the salary cap because there's so much money that goes under the tables at local footy clubs that you just couldn't do it. Yep. So they're bringing in a point system. So if you've played in the AFL before, you are worth yep. 10 points. If you've played your junior footy at the club, you're worth zero points. Teams have an amount of 120 points, or what it might be, that you can spend up to in your points. Why can't we have someone like that? If a kid is a local kid under 21 years of age, he might be worth zero points to the club. Once he gets to 21, though, then obviously his worth yep. as a player rises. Internationals you bring over are worth so much, and teams work on that. Yeah, look, and- I, I don't know how that translates into giving clubs the flexibility to do what they want and paying uh, responsibly, paying money responsibly. I know the FFV and people in the lower leagues will be able to tell me there there are similar type point systems in the in the lower leagues here in okay. in Melbourne. Uh, I think, I, I, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think the FFV were the first of all the sports in in this state to actually yep. adopt that. I could be wrong, but I, I think that's not new in in soccer. So, um, yeah, look, whatever the whatever the whatever they take on, Tone, they've got to look at it and actually make sure that whatever they uh, whatever they uh, adjusts this current system to is uh, it, there's evidence in the past that it's working elsewhere. Don't go backwards. Don't make mistakes by just testing things out without knowing they work. Mm. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, Pete out at South Rangaday. Pete. How are we, guys? Good. What I would love to see, scrap the Australian and international marquee, cap six players outside, or make a marquee, so cap them outside the salary cap, and all players under 21 are not a part of the salary cap. So we can grow our squad, grow the A-League. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, well, look, again, you know, you, you might say... There's not too many players well, that really take themselves to the next level under 21. Yeah, but I'll tell There's you... There's a couple. Yeah, but in the Melbourne City case, uh, with Manchester City and the networks around the world, yeah, I can okay. see them having their five players uh, outside the cap, as uh, as Peter's uh, pointed out, but then they get the best 21 under-21 players probably in the world to come and play for Melbourne City, uh, you know, on, on a work experience yeah. type situation, and they wouldn't uh, be at all, uh, you know, wedded at all to the salary cap. So I can see a few people yelling and screaming over that. You know, whichever way you go, someone's going to flaunt the rules. Well, this is the thing, like, I mean, it's just there, are, there are loopholes there now. Yeah. I mean, I know that there are, when players have played for certain clubs, uh, and I'm thinking, well, how, how did that work? How, I mean, how could they fit that guy in? I mean, there's injury replacement rules. There's, there's other lo- – the loan system mm. is something that I don't understand because you can, get, you can suddenly have four or five quite highly credentialed players on your books, but they're loaned from other clubs from outside the country. So there's, there's ways around this so already. So their salary is actually being played by the other Yeah, club, absolutely. Not being, yeah. So suddenly doesn't yeah. – I mean, and again, a club like – you know, an organisation like the City Group and the Melbourne City and their links to New York, and I mean, they could easily have players being loaned mm. out, uh, signed up elsewhere, but playing A League in a, under a loan situation. And, th- and again, they would get an advantage by going through that loophole. I'm told, being told that the uh, VTCA, the Victorian Turf Cricket Association, one of the first to bring in the point system. Thanks for your SMSs yep. on that one uh, in regards to local cricket. Rob out at one turn. G'day, Rob. How are you guys? Good mate. Good mate. Okay, slightly different take on all this argument. Well, I believe that uh, salary cap gives you some equity. The whole idea of this is to grow our game and make it better and better and better. The problem is, 
with the imposition of a salary cap, it becomes very, very difficult to get good players to come to improve the league. The way you improve your league is to get talent from overseas. So that's the catch-22 situation. How do you maintain equity within the clubs and have enough space to actually have good players come and play to improve mm. the league? And that's the whole yep. crux of the salary cap issue. That's why I think, Rob, they've got to either support a club who wants to hang on to someone like a Kalfala by having a second marquee, international marquee available. Uh, and there might be a penalty, like, you know, you pay extra 10%, Sort of uh, some sort of tax on it, uh, or even up to three, if you if you can justify it in some way. But maybe, maybe I know they've got some sort of sort of the stipulation of you bought the player into the league first. You've had the player at your club for two or three years. In this case, it's only one. And the player wants to stay. And the player wants to stay. Yeah, we will assist you in making sure that player stays in our yeah. competition. Now, I mean that that that's really fantasy land for me. Yeah. I don't know if that would work, but there, it has been mentioned. And the other thing too is really be strict on the position of the marquee. I mean, we're getting better and better. I mean, some of the players that we've been recruiting, clubs are getting better at doing this. The Broishers of this world, Barishas. We didn't know who the hell these guys yeah. were before they come in. They're just brilliant players. Uh, Kalfala, um, you know, um, uh, Del Pierre for Melbourne Victory. We're getting very, very good now, picking up players at the right age who can still add value and become stars in our league, but come relatively cheap. So the criteria for a second and third marquee maybe has to be tighter about how many international caps have they played, how many World Cups have they been at, what have they done in their career, and really make them special positions because then the league benefits. But if you just have maybe a Yanko, a Kalfala, and, a, a, and, I don't know, a Del Pierre as your marquees, that might not be something that uh, would be as sexy as having, you know, your Yanko, but mm. then you have your, your Del Piero, and then you have a Wayne Rooney coming over. I mean... Maybe the, the, the criteria needs to be tighter for the second and third marquee. Thanks for your calls. Thanks for your suggestions on the salary cap. We'll take a break and then we're going to turn tack a little bit, a little bit of EPL as well, and also talk about the Socceroos and their run to the 2018 World Cup in Russia. All that to come here with Carlos Alberto Diego on 11.16 SEN. 19-2 here on 11.16 SEN. Carlos Alberto Diego joining me in the studio. We're talking the world game. And before we get on to the Socceroos, Carlos, Len has been on hold for a, uh, an extremely long amount of time. We thank you, Len. Now, uh, you want to have a talk about the coaching situation in Liverpool? Yeah, Tony. Uh, I've got two points, but you wouldn't have time for the second one. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I, I'm delighted at the prospect of Benitez coming back on the basis that Liverpool, unfortunately, are missing out on the fourth Champions League spot. And I'm just wondering what Carlos thinks. It's uh, Benitez coming back, is he, Len? I haven't read that anywhere. No, no, no. no. Uh, he's not coming back, but I'm delighted at the prospect of it. Because I think it's a possibility. Oh, do you think so? I mean, are you reading that anywhere, hearing that anywhere, or is that just your opinion? Uh, it's my opinion, but he's obviously hedging on signing a contract with Napoli. Yep. And uh, Liverpool have said uh, Rogers goes if they don't get fourth spot. Really? Okay. Uh, look, I, I would be very, very surprised that they'd let someone like Brendan Rogers go, to tell you the truth there, Len. Uh, I just think he's a bloke who, you know, one of the one of the most outstanding football decisions that I've gutsy, gutsy and courageous football decisions I've seen in football from a manager in a club was the stance they took on Luis Suarez a few years ago. I mean, uh, and that was his first. That was his first real thing, wasn't it? He just came into the team. Well, there was a well, lot. Just... Of, there was a lot of. Well, actually, he'd been there for for a bit of maybe eighteen months or so. Okay. But it had to be a stand that that club made, and no club 
at the top level makes those stands these days. It's much easier to let a player who agitates for a for it to move to go. Uh, they just the, the the school of thought is you don't have a happy player at your club. But they said no. We're gonna you know you got a contract. Um, we've just increased your contract. You're agitating for a move. You're sulking around the place, mate. You're not gonna play for first team football, and you're gonna sit in the reserves until you're ready to play. Well. Luis Suarez, because of that stance, came back not only a better player, but he was one of the best players in the world from that. Now, I would have liked to have seen him jump up and down a bit more before they let him go to Barcelona after the World Cup, but uh, I just thought that was a really courageous decision. When Liverpool have their full squad, um, they play good football. Uh, I think what they've done with Raheem Sterling and, and Sturridge and, and a lot of the other, Coutinho and these sort of players, I just think when they're up and running and things are, and, and they've got the right players, the right feel about their game, mm-hmm. they play really good football. And they're starting to get a bit of form back now, uh, leading in. So they're going to push, they, you know, they still think they can make the four. So I'd be very surprised there, Len, if Brendan Rodgers goes. And if he does go, he'll be hot property for other clubs because I think he's a great young manager. And I think he's one of these guys within five years will probably coach England too. Off, uh, off the SBS, that rumour is doing uh, the UK papers a fair bit as well. Is so, it? Uh, about that, Benitez coming yeah, back? Well, that, a little bit of traction. I, I, to tell you the truth, uh, I think they've been there and done that. I think they've got to stick with Rogers. I'd be very surprised after what they've done, how, the stance he's taken and what he's done at times with the way they've played their football. I'd be very surprised if Liverpool let a young, uh, talented coach go or manager go because other clubs would just jump all over him. That's for sure. I'd be very surprised if Australia lose a game in the first round of qualifying. <laughs> Take us through that team. Well, the yeah, play. of course, uh, we've got the uh, first round of uh, Asia Cup slash World Cup qualifying. Uh, um, and uh, we've uh, been uh, drawn against some big hitters in world football. Uh, Kyrgyzstan, uh, Tajikistan, uh, ba- Bangladesh, and, of course, Jordan. We all know about Jordan. We actually lost against Jordan away from home in the last World Cup qualifiers. So... Uh, so, uh, I mean, look, you know, the only thing that we've got to worry about ourselves there is, is preparing properly for those games. Not it's taking... not the group of death. No, it isn't. But the thing is, they're banana skins. Uh, even though they're, they're, they're every team, the only, the only team that's not, uh, that's not outside the one, uh, top 100 in, in that group is us. And we're yeah. 63 or something, 53 or something like that. Uh, every other team is outside the top 100. But when you're going away to Kyrgyzstan, and uh, and the players might not have their you know they've just travelled for three days to get there and they're staying in a bad hotel and their training facilities is garbage and uh, and you know there might be a, a few players just not with it you're not in tune with how how the things going and uh, sometimes you can drop a point there you know yeah. or sometimes you can even lose the game now thankfully when it comes to logistics I mean we might not win a World Cup on the field for decades right. But when it comes to logistics, Australia would be the best in the world because oh, yeah. of what we've done in the last 30, 40 years, travelling around the world, travelling all points of Asia to play our football. Uh, I still remember, I mean, travelling to Iran now is nothing, but back in 97, the whole idea of travelling to Iran, finding the right hotel, looking, you know, make sure you had a good training facility, all that stuff there. And even before that, back in 70, in uh, 73, when, you know, Jimmy Mackay, you know, scored that goal in the, yeah. uh, in the playoff to get us to the World Cup in 74. I mean, the travelling that team did in those days. With every campaign, we've learnt more and more about travel and logistics and and uh, making sure that everything off the field is right. Now they get their own 747 with well, massage tables, yeah, don't I they? think they're flying mattresses these days, aren't yeah. they, uh, Tone? I mean, they, uh, one thing about Australia, we're not wanting when it comes to logistics with our national teams. Uh, 
but it's still not easy. I mean, imagine mm. finding the right hotel in Kyrgyzstan and uh, and the training pitches and and make sure the food's right and you know. Uh, Surely we don't have to. Don't the local. No, no, no. We have. Uh, I, 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 I sort of knew Gary Moretti. Gary Moretti was a, a, a team manager for the Socceroos for many, many campaigns, yeah. and uh, and he used to have to go there and have it all worked out before the players. Really? Yeah, yeah, I, it's, see, it's I, a I, huge. I would have thought that if you're hosting a team, you you don't you of... don't rely on the host. Okay, you don't rely on the host at all. There's too much that can go wrong. Maybe we're just too nice. No, That's well, no. I just think I, I can see what you're yeah, saying. Yeah. yeah, so much can go wrong <laughs> if you just rely on the hosts, and you've just got to go there and do it yourself. And uh, the job of getting a team over to any country, uh, a Socceroo team or even the young Socceroo teams or the Oliroos, to any country is a huge, huge logistical exercise, but we've got really good at it. And yeah. uh, so I don't have too many problems with that, but we've got to be sharp and not complacent because you could drop points when you're playing on Mars. You yeah. Know? yeah, exactly right. Uh, did you get to see Foreign Correspondent last night? No, the I story didn't. about Palestine? No, I didn't. The, the soccer team and their, oh, really? their trip into the Asian Cup. Amazing story. Uh yeah, just really, really well put together. If you get a yeah. chance, have a look at it. We sort of got um, snippets when they were here, little stories and stuff. I just yeah, I love uh, it. This I, was yeah. the whole thing put together. Yeah. And you actually got to learn about the families who were left yeah. at home in bomb-torn yeah, buildings. No. I, I just uh, love it. Just, I mean, what they do, what football I'm sure if do, you get on yeah. ABC online, yeah. you'll find it somewhere. Get it, Have a look at it, Carlos. Yeah. You'll love it. Oh, what football can do, Tane. I mean, all sport. What all sport can do to uh, to bring, uh, to, to tell these stories and also, uh, you know, make people forget about these things for a short time at least the, the people who are struggling in these areas yep. in these war-torn areas and, and uh, all the other poverty aspects of it what it does is uh, is just uplift the country for that short period of time it's, it's that certainly is a benefit even if it's for a short period of time now someone suggested Carlos that we go to the ABC on demand uh, yep. not just to watch Foreign Correspondent but to go through the Simon Reeve series meet the stands and get an insight yeah. <laughs> into Tuzikstan yeah. and Kyrgyzstan like, I can't wait for the Stan Derby uh, their time we've got Apparently the uh, Kyrgyzstan and Tajikistan. There's uh, seven stars. Yeah, I, can I, you name them? We might actually take a tour to that Stan Derby. Yeah. That would be great. That'd be fantastic. We just got to find out where <laughs> those countries are. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, we'll take a break. Back with more. It is seven minutes to two. Eleven sixteen. Sen best caller of the day, uh, Len. Even though you've copped an absolute <laughs> pasting from Liverpool supporters on the SMS, and I'm fairly complain you have copped yeah, it bad. Absolutely. Uh, just because you hung on for a long time. Two bottles of uh, wine, one red, one white. Thanks to AR Property Investments, we solved the property investment puzzle for you. You can. Drown your sorrows it, on that one, Leonard. It's after. safe to say that no one, uh, no Liverpool fan on the SMS wants to get rid of Brendan Rodgers. That's safe for sure. to say no Liverpool yeah. fan on the SMS likes Len. Yeah, actually, they're, they're saying that Benitez might be being lined up for the Man City job yeah. with Pellegrini in a bit of trouble here at the moment. Okay, so. mm. uh, I think there'll be a lot of trouble at Man City at the moment, not just the coach. Yeah, look, I, you know, it's, it was really interesting uh, reading a lot of the stuff that's coming out of there uh, about the attitude of the players. I mean, a lot of these players are just very comfortable. They yeah. haven't really built a, a squad that actually can compete for spots. Uh, there's a lot of very, very uh, wealthy fat cats there who aren't who feel very comfortable with their position, and, and that's showing because you really need to be at your best week in, week out in a place like the EPL. Even the best players have to be. And it, there's a lot of talk about the squad being not the right balance. There's not, a, not enough competition for places mm. there. And it leads to the poor, um, you know, the results they've had in the last 15 or so games. I think they've only won three or four games in the last 15. So that's not championship winning uh, form.
that's for sure. Massive week of A-League action, Carlos. Absolutely, and tonight, uh, and don't forget the final whistle with the four Diego's tonight. Uh, of course, Melbourne victory versus Brisbane Raw. It's a catch-up game from, uh, I think, the the Cyclone. Wasn't it the Cyclone uh, back in January or uh, something? Yes, all the extra rain. Yeah, the yeah. pitch was underwater. Absolutely. Yeah. And it, was, it, was, it was a frightening situation there, so they've called that off, and actually they're playing tonight. And uh, and then again on Sunday, I believe, they, they're playing again. Correct. Or Saturday. Saturday, playing uh, Brisbane again. So it's a really a, no, a real anomaly... As far as the fixtures are concerned, but hugely important games for Melbourne Victory and a hugely important games for Brisbane Roar, mm. and they're coming off some really good form. Uh, not only beating uh, Central Coast Mariners six one in the midweek game, I think last week, but also on the weekend doing the business on Adelaide uh, United at home, away from home. So uh, Brisbane Roar are hitting some really good form now, and uh, and so that's going to be a top game tonight uh, to watch, and then of course the weekend. So and of course Melbourne City got Perth Glory, and who knows how they're going to rock up on Sunday, Perth Glory. Yeah. Uh, I think they're playing um, in Perth, so uh, Melbourne City, uh, you know, they, they don't want to start losing games now. No. A draw is enough, I think, to keep the points ticking over. Uh, of course, if, uh, if Brisbane win tonight, suddenly they're one point behind Melbourne City. And if the court action is successful uh, with Perth in delaying the whole decision... Uh, Perth could end up playing finals, so one and of the, Brisbane would miss out. Brisbane or or Melbourne City, depending okay. on how the, yeah. the rest of the season goes. So uh, it's really important that these clubs keep on ticking over the points because uh, if Perth end up surviving uh, and playing finals, well, one of them will miss out. Mm. That's for sure. And this is the last weekend, isn't it? Finals after this weekend? Uh, no, I think there's a couple more games. Oh, is uh, okay. yeah, yeah, I think there's two more games after this weekend. Wow. Going long into the uh, footy season. This this is probably the longer it's been to the footy season. Uh, look, I think the Asian Cup has, uh, yeah, okay. has sort of... Uh, yeah, that's probably had three I, or four I, weeks I, off, didn't we? But I honestly think that these days, uh, you know, football is not being at all sacrificed in the media at the expense of AFL football. No. I think in, when we first started the A-League, it used to struggle for a bit of air in the media. But these days, I think there's always stories. There's a, there's a, for me, the measure is Channel 9. If they're showing any football at all, uh, it's a bonus for me. And they're just showing everything from Asian Champions League games uh, and also EPL, uh, generally on, on the weekend. So, and, so for me, I don't think we're struggling for media exposure, even though you want more when you get a chance. Yeah, exactly. Carlos, always great to catch up with you, mate. We'll do it again next week. You can do it with Daniel Harford. Thanks, mate.